Live from the Pacific Northwest, it's Portland Story Theater's Valentine's Day show, Kiss and Tell, Real True Stories. May the narrative be with you. So a few years ago, I get a phone call from my good friend, Carrie. And she says, hey, guess what? I just met the man that you should marry. <laughs> I was single, so I said, great. What's his name? And she said, Bate. And I said, what? And she said, Bate. And I said, can you spell it? <laughs> and she said, B-E-N-G-T. And his last name is Coffin, like what they bury people in. <laughs> so I said, okay, so why do you think I should marry this baked coffin? <laughs> and she says, I don't know, I, I just have a feeling about it. Um, but I, I can't introduce you because I'm, I'm going off to grad school tomorrow. So he's a hydrologist and he works at the Forest Service, so you figure it out. <laughs> that I should marry was, was kind of appealing on a couple of levels. First of all, there's, there's just something about thinking that there might be someone out there that if you could only just meet them, all the planets would align and you would never have any questions or struggles or troubles. You would just come together and just go off into the sunset for the rest of your life. That's, that's a great idea, right? Um, but the other thing is, as I was 37, I was single. I had not really been with anyone of significance for a couple of years, and I was kind of getting to that point in my life where a lifelong partner sounded kind of good. So I liked this idea. Um, but I didn't really know how to meet Bank Coffin. So the months go by, and every now and then, my friend Carrie gives me a call and says, so, have you met him yet? And I'm like, no, I, I don't know how to meet him. I don't know anyone who knows him. And she's like, oh, you'll figure it out. Well, summertime rolls around, and I'm working as the director of an arts council in the Gorge. And I get this grant to do a project called Art Talks. And the idea of this project is you bring people together from all different sides of an issue. The issue is land use and development in the Gorge. And you pair them up in small groups with artists, and over the course of several months, they talk about their ideas about land use and development. And, in the, and the artists sort of make art during this time, inspired by the talks. And in the end, you bring everyone together and you share the artwork and your discussions and all of the land use and development issues are resolved, right? It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so my role as the director of the Arts Council is to find all these people from this spectrum. So I need high-end developers and I need wheat farmers, and I need firefighters, and I need recreationists, I need some scientists, I need a hydrologist, <laughs> I need banked coffin. So I get the number for the Forest Service and I call him up. And the first thing I notice when he comes on the line is that he has a really great voice. It's kind of low and husky, sort of that kind of wary tone, like early, early Marlon Brando, you know that? <laughs> kind of aloof. And so I proceed in my kind of high-pitched, fast-talking way to tell him about the project. And in the end, Bank Coffin says, well, that sounds interesting. Could you fax me a list of questions you're going to talk about? 
Well, you need to know two things at this point. <clears throat> One, right now in my life, I'm living in a two-room cabin that's off the grid at the end of a road that's so bad you have to ski in and out in the winter. And it's so off the grid that if I want to take a shower, I have to go out in the yard and over to the pump house and build a little fire of twigs and branches and a box in this old hot water heater. And in about an hour and a half, I can have a semi-warm shower. In the other part of my life, in the art council, I work with artists. And the way I work with artists is that we get together and we talk about fabulous projects we could do, and then I find money to do them, and they do them, and it's great. But in neither of these wor worlds do I fax people a list of questions. <laughs> so I tell Bankoff in this, and I say, but it's okay, we're going to meet at the Grange next week, so just, just come and check it out. And to my surprise, he does. He comes. And I know it's Banked Coffin because when he walks in the door, he's the only person in the whole room that I don't recognize. So I'm in a great position, right? Because I get to scope him out without him knowing that I'm scoping him out. <laughs> and once again, it, it's really good, you know? He's tall, he's handsome, he has this light kind of athletic, athletic way of walking. And he goes right to the center of the room and sits down, and he listens intently to me while I talk about this project. And then we take a break so that people can talk among themselves, and the whole room erupts into artists busily talking about these great projects they're going to do. They're going to do paintings of Salilah Falls and charcoal rubbings. And in the middle of all this sits Banked Coffin, not saying anything. And I have to say I like this too, right? Because I think part of the reason that I've arrived at 37 without being married is that I've had a long string of boyfriends who are kind of right-brained, like wonderful, soulful men, poets and artists and even a Tai Chi teacher, and they're great. But what I've slowly begun to realize is that in all of these relationships, I'm always the responsible one. I'm always the one with a steady job and the car that works. And I seem to be the one who knows how to fix things and chop wood and do all this stuff. And I, I'm kind of ready to be the girl for a change. So I like this science guy who's sitting there. Um, so anyway, when the, when the sign-up sheet comes around at the end of the night, I'm kind of surprised to see that, that Baked Coffin has signed up. And he's probably more surprised the next day when I send out the list of groups to see that somehow he's in my group. <laughs> so he and I and the one other person, we decide to have our first meeting at his house. And once again, I have the opportunity to get a little more info, right, on the slide. And again, it's all super positive. He has this cozy, simple house with a lot of exposed wood, nice, nice decorations, and, and it's really clean, you know, it's not that kind of clean that comes from throwing things under chairs. <laughs> it's cleaner than my house. And Mike serves us tea, and I lead the three of us in this writing exercise about places in our childhood that were meaningful to us. And even though Mike doesn't really do this kind of stuff normally, he does it, and he writes about these monkey trees where he played when he was a child. And he's kind of surprised at the end, like he hasn't thought about these trees in 30 years. 
And this kind of makes me feel good, too, because I feel like maybe I have something to bring to the table, right? And our next meeting is at my land. And uh, the other person in the group doesn't show up for this meeting. I'm not really sure what happened, like maybe the email got lost or something. <laughs> We walk on the trails at my land, and we have this great talk about land use and other things. And what I'd like to tell you is at the end of that walk, we just knew. We knew we were meant for each other, and we, we basically, all we had to do was set the wedding date and choose the silverware pattern, right? <laughs> but that's really not how it happened, right? Life is messier than that. My life is messier than that, anyway. So we continue, we don't really, we continue to meet for this art talks thing, and we continue to have these talks and talks, and as we do, we begin to realize that these messy things, like Bank has this ex-girlfriend, you know, they've broken up, she's moved out of state, but she's still kind of there, sort of, sometimes. And even though I haven't been dating really for a couple of years, all of a sudden there's this other guy who has a yurt near my land, and he's coming around all the time, and he's kind of fun, and so I'm doing things there too, and, and then it's also a little messy because even though I, I know I kind of like this big coffee guy, I don't really know if he likes me or not. Maybe he's just doing the project, right? So the, the weeks go on, and finally it's the grand finale of Art Talks. And we meet at the Grange, and all of this art comes. There are these beautiful paintings, and there's this oil pastel, and these wonderful marimba musicians create this song, and we're all dancing to it. And I stand up, and I read my poem, and I see across the room that Bengt has this big smile on his face, and it's, it's great. And afterwards, Bengt and I, just the two of us, we go out to a restaurant, and we talk and talk so intently that at the end of the night, the waitress has to come and say, you know, we closed an hour ago. Could you guys get out of here? <laughs> so Vic and I continue seeing each other. There's no project now, and it's pretty clear that we're at least a little interested in each other. Um, but all of a sudden, things get weird, because all of a sudden, there's this other guy, and he's super interested in me, and he even wants to move his yurt onto my land. And, and uh, all of a sudden, I don't, I don't really know what to do. I can't, I can't figure it out. I don't know who the man I'm supposed to marry, because I know, I know I'm believing in that now, it's out there. And I feel like I have to make this decision right here and now. And so I go into, I do what I always do when I have a big decision to make, which is that I go into panic mode. <laughs> <laughs> and I start panic mode by talking to all my friends and asking them what I should do, right? And as you can imagine, it's a pretty big spectrum. You know, one friend tells me that I should definitely go for the secure thing. Go for the Europe guy, you know. He's secure. Yeah. <laughs> and another friend says to me, definitely go for the heart. Go for the guy who sparks your heart. And my best friend in L.A. says, I don't know what the problem is. I mean, two men's better than none, sure. <laughs> Obsessively, and I keep getting the same hexagram, something about how it furthers one to see the great man. But that's no help, because I don't know who the great man is, right? And I even have this friend who does this thing called table tipping, where she can, she can access higher powers, higher, higher spirits, and 
it's kind of one of those things where if the table tips once, it's yes, and two if it's no. And, and the table seems to be tipping in Banks' favor, but it, it's not clear, right? <laughs> so at this point, I'm moving from panic to manic, and I'm not even seeing either of these guys at this point. I'm just fo fully focused on the fact that I have to figure out the right answer to that, this question. Like, there's one right answer, and I've got to figure it out. It's, it's February by now. It's actually the day before Valentine's. It's this super cold, blustery day, not like today. And I go to the post office in the morning, and in, in my box, there's this letter with just my name on it. No address, no return. And I open it, and it's from Banks Coffin. And this is what it says. It says, hey, I'm really glad I met you. And I'm glad that in our busy lives, we found time to get together. And I look forward to each time more than the last. So I'm standing there in the post office with this letter in my hand, and I'm sort of starting to wonder if maybe I've had it all wrong about finding love. And I realize suddenly that I'm ready to give up the security of the yurt on my land. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm ready even to give up this idea that somewhere out there, there's one person for me, one preordained person about whom I'll never have any questions or concerns or doubts. I'm ready to give all that up for the chance to spend a little more time with Bank Coffin and see where it goes. Thank you.